0: This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station.
1: Good Wednesday afternoon. What a beautiful day. Uh, Sun is shining. We've got four degrees. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And I know we are getting ever so close to the big day. Hopefully you are getting things lined up under control. I suddenly realized I got that 20-pound turkey in my freezer And there's no way I'm doing the oh, just thawed in the fridge. Yeah, first of all, it takes up a lot of room. And secondly, I should have started the thawing process, I think, two weeks ago. So I think I will once again be doing the cold water method. You can always text me if you've got suggestions on how I can do it even faster than that. This hour, though, and it's funny because it's been this theme. Earlier today, Danielle was talking about the new international terminal at the Calgary International Airport or YYC, Calgary International Airport. And I think even Rob probably spent one segment talking about uh, security at the airport. I want to talk about maybe the bigger picture of airline travel. And this is a good time of year to talk about it because you either are flying out at this time to go see family or you're waiting for family to come in. And I, I think you're like a lot of people, a lot of Canadians saying, first of all, why is it so expensive? I think you pretty much know the answer to that, but we'll, we'll deal with that as well. But also, whenever you hear of smaller airlines trying to get their foot in the door, so to speak, or their plane at the gate, what is stopping them? Because really, the more airlines you have, the more competition you have. If you have more competition, of course, the price is going to go down. But every time we hear of a new airline trying to get hit the airway, or the skies, uh, before you know it, a year goes by and and they fail. So I want to talk about uh, really the, the business of airlines, especially in this country. Dr. Barry Prentice, professor of supply chain management at the IH Asper School of Business, University of Manitoba, joins us today. Hello, Dr. Prentice.
0: Good afternoon, Angela.
1: You going anywhere for Christmas?
0: (laughs) Only as far as the mall.
1: (laughs) And that is even more stressful than the airport these days, I think. (laughs) But, But you know what, Barry, this is the time, and I think it was either yesterday or today, they always say this is the busiest day of travel at Canadian airports because a lot of people want to get home. And a lot of people have paid a lot of money to be able to see their loved ones. Can you give me a bit of the background on how airlines, it seems, uh, end up having a bit of a monopoly at airports when you were trying to maybe see cheaper flights out of, let's say, Calgary International Airport?
0: Yeah, well, uh, two things there. I mean, one about the, the busyness of the season. Uh, the airlines actually don't like December very much. Uh, it's the month where they have their very busiest day and their very slackest day, and they're about two days apart, hmm. Christmas so before Christmas and Boxing Day. And so it's not really that great a month for them. And, of course, you, know, you have to have the equipment and the people in place for all that period of time, even if you don't have the traffic. So it isn't necessarily such a, an enjoyable treat as, as people might think. You know, this is a great moneymaker for them. Uh, with regard to the number of airlines, one of the things that holds the uh, airline in, incumbents in place and the, and the others from coming in is what we call network economies. Uh, The more places you can fly with an airline, well, the more valuable it is for the passenger because you can get there probably more frequently, and you can get there often maybe at a a lower cost as well, depending. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for new airlines to break in. We have uh, two or three, Uh, one that already has New Leaf, another one Jet Airlines that wants to come in, and then there's a third one called Enerjet, which is at this time a charter operator, and they're talking about a a scheduled uh, entry as well all as these ultra-low-cost carriers.
1: Are you saying, though, Barry, they almost have to come on board with a huge fleet? (laughs) They already have to have a system of going to some of the major centers in order to make it viable?
0: Well, what what we've seen is that instead they they come in with a few planes, maybe six, and they tend to go to the more marginal airports. So in the case of New Leaf, uh, they're flying to Hamilton, to Moncton, to Abbotsford, as well as uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton have some service, but they don't go to Toronto, Montreal, or Vancouver. So they don't try to go head-on competition with the big guys. They go where the markets are less served.
1: And is it also, okay, you have to tell me about the fees. What would an airline have to pay in order to say, we want to land our planes at YYC International?
0: Well, of course, there's what the airlines or the airplanes uh, or airlines have to pay, but also what we, the customer, pay, because ultimately we pay for everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right, okay.
0: So the airlines have to pay landing fees and, of course, they have to rent space in the terminal for their counters and so on. But as passengers, we also pay an AIF, uh, an airport improvement fee to the airports to maintain them. Of course, we pay GST and PST and we also pay uh, indirectly uh, through our fees at the airport, the airport rent to the federal government. So uh, and NAV Canada. So there's lots and lots of fees in there.
1: I was trying to keep track, Barry. I've run out of ink. You had so many things there. Uh, okay, so so and there's
0: more if you go across the border. By the way, <laughs>
1: oh, if you go across the border, all right. Oh, and
0: I forgot the there's a the security fee too. That's another one. Oh yeah, oh,
1: we okay. definitely don't want to forget about that security <laughs> fee. Okay, so let's look at. Funny when you were saying New Leaf Jet Airlines, Enerjet, whatever happened to Porter Airlines? Well,
0: they're still there. They and, are, and they're okay. still active. In but they're only in eastern Canada. I think they come as far as Thunder Bay. Okay, and then they go out to the east, uh, eastern provinces.
1: Well, so even when we look at uh, YYC International Airport, I I think of Air Canada and WestJet. WestJet is that success story. It was the airline that started with just a few planes. So how do you think, and especially all these other airlines, they're probably looking at WestJet saying, okay, how can we be like WestJet? So (laughs) what did WestJet do to be able to survive this long? And actually, now we see it flying to Europe and London and Hawaii and Mexico. So can you give me a, a bit of background on WestJet's story?
0: Well, I think there are two things. One, they came in with an interesting and good strategy, which they copied from Southwest Airlines, which was very successful in the U.S. And the second is they came in at the right time when Air Canada was uh, battling it out with Canadian Airlines International. Oh, yeah. And so Air Canada was happy to let WestJet uh, take some of Canadian Airlines International's uh, business here in Western Canada and weaken them further. And then finally, of course, they merged. So by that time, WestJet had come in and, and was successful. But WestJet's strategy, like Southwest Airlines, is... You stick with one airplane, which was the Boeing 737, so you have only one set of parts and one set of training for your pilots, and, and you minimize your costs by standardizing that aircraft. And, of course, they fly only to the major places to begin with. They, Of course, have gone more places as time goes on, and, and now they are, actually have three types of aircraft that they're flying. So they're moving away from that model as time goes on because they have to uh, if they want to go further distances or, or shorter, mm-hmm. smaller markets.
1: So then does that open up the market to the, the new Leafs or the Jet Airlines?
0: Well, it seems to have. And, and you know, the, these new ultra-low-cost airlines are ultra-low service, too. I mean, you, in Winnipeg, you're boarding outside and you're, you're paying for a carry-on. And there's many charges that uh, we kind of assume are there, which uh, we're paying for directly. So it's kind of an a la carte system. Mm-hmm. But the other airlines, Canada and WestJet, are now charging for bags, too. So, you know, they, they've also uh, made it easier.
1: Well and and that's the other thing because Uh, Let's see. The ultra low cost. Do they also charge for carry on, or is it (laughs) still free? They charge for carry on. Okay.
0: As well as check bags, so they they charge for both. Uh huh. One of these days they'll charge for the lose, so uh, we better be careful.
1: I know. I'm worried about those days. But even when I complain about air travel, I always have to step back and remind myself: this is a huge country. It's pretty impressive that I can go from Calgary to Toronto in four four and a half hours and pay anywhere from eight hundred to a thousand. I know a lot of people think that's, that is a lot of money, but we have to remember that we have a huge country and not a huge population.
0: No, it is. In fact, in many ways, I think people should enjoy flying now because when carbon taxes do come in, we're going to be paying more. <sighs> uh, jet air engines use a lot of fuel and burn a lot of carbon. So, you know, that's another cost that will be added in the future, I'm sure.
1: And hopefully you'll have a holly jolly Christmas when you make it to your destination on the plane. Dr. Barry Prentice, Professor of Supply Chain Management, the IH Asper School of Business, University of Manitoba. And we are talking about the cost of travel. And, Barry, before the break, I, I wanted to know if you see some of these new airlines that are on, well, not the horizon. They're here right now when you mentioned New Leaf and Enerjet and Jet Airlines. Do you think that they can get a bigger foothold in some of these markets across this country?
0: Yes, yes, I think they can. Uh, certainly, lewd is still going, so you know that's uh, I guess they've got eight months under their belt now, yeah uh, so they this is a tough time of year, of course, you have to make it through the winter to to get to the better market in the summer but uh, I don't see that there's a, a reason why they can't, but of course, history tells us that uh, the the odds of success are really low because we've got. So many airlines have started up and, and failed and gone away.
1: Now you have to, because I'm getting a few texts from people saying, okay, why is it so much cheaper to fly from Calgary to Florida or Calgary to London than it is to fly from Calgary to Toronto?
0: Well, that's a, a good question. Uh, oftentimes these things are a function of competition. If you have a, a more competitive market, then the airlines have to meet that competition. Uh, but there's also a case, I suppose, of... Uh, like charter flights, which would be going from Calgary to Florida as well, it'd have to match. Uh, But other than that, uh, it's hard to say.
1: Well, and, and here's a text that says, well, you know, we may have a big country, but when it's cheaper to fly to Portugal, London, or Turkey than it is to Toronto, that argument falls apart. Always love seeing the $99 flights to London and then finding out there's $700 in taxes, which <laughs> never makes sense to me when another option is $700 for the flight and shows only 300 for taxes. Can your guest explain the this? And that? that is that sort of almost false advertising, although I thought the government was trying to get away with that, that uh, aren't you also, when you have an advertised price for an airline uh, flight it's supposed to be all in
0: it is okay And and certainly WestJet and Air Canada do have that but you know the uh, I've certainly observed the the case where uh, aeroplan points and so on where the the actual charges are almost uh, as much as what you might have saved so it's not really a very cheap flight when it's uh, when you have all those extra charges
1: and the extra charges is what you listed off at the beginning is that what what airlines then just pass on to customers
0: Plus, the one that irritates me the most is the fuel surcharge uh, on international flights, which uh, I've never been able to figure that one out for the last three or four years.
1: Well, wait, the fuel surcharge, wasn't that, oh, yeah, uh, but wasn't (laughs) that uh, the difference, of the, especially when fuel was going up, was that what it was? Or you're saying, wait, they need fuel. Why do we get the the tax on something that they need to operate their business?
0: Well, I guess it's a way, you know, the the notion was that it was a temporary uh, uh, charge, That would go down when the fuel price went down. But, of course, the fuel price went down, the charges didn't. So, you know, it's one of those uh, things that we we see still.
1: Funny how temporary taxes work that way. (laughs) They stay permanent. Uh, Barry, this is a a sidebar note, but uh, filling planes, (laughs) because I'm I'm getting lots of different texts from people. What's the best way to fill a plane?
0: Well, what we have now is a system called Yield Management. And uh, yield management is a basis on which the uh, with all the data over time, they can estimate what is the expected amount of people who will uh, book at any given time. Mm-hmm. So they start the prices out you know low at the beginning, and if the prices if the airplane's not filling up fast enough, they'll drop prices if it fills up too fast, they'll raise prices with the goal of having that last seat sold before the last day because uh, an empty seat. Uh, is is lost forever. Right. So the uh, the airlines have a system where, of course, the closer you get to the day of flying, the more the the fares rise, and we all know that. Which is why, if you're on a leisure flight, you book quite a bit ahead mm-hmm. and try to avoid that.
1: And the other thing is, is the best time to fly, or more succinctly, <laughs> the cheapest time to fly. Well,
0: they, it used to be Tuesdays, but you know it depends uh, on what day it is, but. Uh, one of those days of the week uh, are, are the cheapest. Uh, i right. data on that. It, it has changed a little bit over time. It isn't always constant. But Tuesday seems like a the, the good day.
1: And now you're talking about yield management when it comes to filling the plane with customers. The customers have now bought their tickets I want to know the best way to load those passengers onto the plane because I've gone through, no, those are both good answers, but I've gone through the days of starting at the back. Now we seem to be in zones. (laughs) Has there been a lot of research done as to the quickest way to get people on board a plane?
0: You know, I'm sure there must be, but I haven't seen what it is, but I've always wondered why we don't board everybody first at the window seats. And then board people for the aisle seat, mm-hmm. as opposed to the front of the back, because that seems where the most the congestion uh, uh, is there. But, and again, you know, the the people at the first class get to board any time they're at the front of the plane. Well, again, you know, that's the place you probably should be boarding last. But nonetheless, uh, you know the. Uh, the different methods are
1: used yeah and I think that zone when I've seen it it seems like it is the the window seats and then it sort of fills in that way plus they like to board the first- class passengers so we walk by them and they get to look at us <laughs> down their nose even though they're having to look up at us. Uh, okay another couple of things though when we when we look at the the costs of being at an international airport so WestJet and air and Air Canada they're willing to pay all those landing fees rent spaces, because that's the cost of doing business. But for smaller airlines that are just trying to get off the ground, it's just too expensive, so they kind of take the gates that they can get?
0: Well, maybe that, but uh, I think it's also a case of they go to the airports where they think they can compete and go to the underserved or less served airports. Again, if they're trying to go head-to-head with with major airlines going to, say, Toronto, well, if those airlines have five or six uh, flights a day, And a new startup has two a week. Yeah. Well, it's going to be very hard for them to find those passengers. But at the smaller airports or the less used ones, uh, people may be more willing to do that. And I think the real market, in fact, for the ultra-low carriers is the uh, uh, leisure passenger as opposed to the business passenger. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, the business passenger, again, has a, a tighter schedule. You know, they want to return when they want to return. Yeah, and, of course, if you're on business and, and you, your meeting goes longer, you don't want to have a ticket that you can't uh, redeem mm-hmm. and, and have to rush out of your meeting you, or, or pay a fine on your ticket. Mm-hmm. So you know, business class tickets, of course, uh, uh, if you don't show up, you don't pay. That kind of flexibility is built in. Oh. So there's, there's many reasons why uh, the business people are more willing to try or fly on the, uh, the main airlines and of course, uh, that's where there's more revenue, too,
1: yeah. Um, you know another person saying, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Calgary to Toronto today, a uh, fly for f- under five hundred dollars, but the best price today from Calgary to Medicine Hat is just under seven hundred dollars. That goes back to that whole idea of it's a it's a smaller population, right? There's not as many people wanting to get to Medicine Hat. So why would an airline they wouldn't be able to have a lot of flights there, and the fewer flights, the higher the price.
0: Well, that's right, and it's even worse if you start flying to the more remote communities. Uh, if you want to go north, maybe, then you can almost fly to Europe for the cost of getting yeah. to one of these northern communities. And smaller second-tier airlines, we don't mention them very much, but there's ones like Bearskin, Comair, uh, Perimeter, uh, fly out of here, mm-hmm. and into northern Ontario. And, and of course, uh, they go to, to very small places, but they're also quite expensive because of that.
1: And that's also the reason that the Air Canada and the WestJet says we're not going to bother servicing those northern remote communities. We'll leave it up to other people because it's just so expensive.
0: Well, that and also the size of the airplanes. You know, again, if you're flying a smaller airplane carrying only, say, 10 or 12 or or 19 people, then you're not going to have the same revenues uh, as you have on a... a Seven thirty-seven.
1: Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, Barry, thanks for spending the afternoon with us.
0: Oh, it was my pleasure. And, um, uh, I wish you all a merry Christmas. Yeah,
1: uh, you too. <laughs> Barry Prentice is a professor of supply chain management at the IH Asper School of Business, University of Manitoba.
0: Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at three on News Talk seven seventy Calgary.